Welcome to another episode of Encounter Grow Witness, a podcast for our wonderful uh, Mission Direct people here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. I'm here with the fantastic Beth Spazarni, one of our, our great uh, um, Mission Direct people here. Beth, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Father Steve? Fantastic. And we have a super special guest today. We have Mr. Christopher West joining us. Christopher West, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's my joy and pleasure. So we uh, we know you're coming to uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit. You're going to be giving a talk in September. We want to share those details in a little bit. But uh, as we always get started, we just want to share our life in Christ together and a little bit of the joys that are going on. So Beth, maybe I'd, I'd ask you, like, how's your summer been? What What have you done that's been fun this summer? Summer. Yes. I, I noticed that summer has happened. I don't think I've fully participated in the summer the way that perhaps people often do trips and days off and all of that. That just hasn't been a reality. But one highlight for me has I've been uh, taking my kids to as many beaches as I can find. There's actually a lot of beaches within driving distance with all of our great lakes and such. So that's been a great adventure. Has there been a favorite beach? Have the Spazarni chosen their, yes, their favorite I beach? Think the Lake St. Clair Metro Park was awesome. It was just beautiful. Strongly recommend. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. And Christopher, you're, you're with us. I'm sure summer is different for you with a lot of travel, maybe. But how has your summer been? Actually, I haven't done a lot of travel. I, I tend to take the summers off from travel. I am leading a pilgrimage to Fatima and Spain, and we leave next week for that. But I've been I've been home. I have been teaching a lot of courses. We have a retreat center just a mile from our home called mm-hmm. Black Rock Retreat Center, where people from around the world take our courses at the Theology of the Body Institute. I've taught uh, uh, two courses this summer and attended two others. And that's mm-hmm. been a, a rich blessing. But I'll, I'll share something that's been especially fun for me this summer. Um, brand new in our backyard this summer is a pond. Uh, with a waterfall. And we used to have wow. a pool in our backyard. The pool was there when we bought the house in 2003 and it fell into disrepair and we, we needed to do something with it. We either needed to fill it in or repair it, or I came up with the idea of turning it into a swimming hole, like a swimming pond instead of a <laughs> swimming pool. And I love, I love creeks. I love waterfalls. I love being out in nature and we're surrounded by woods here on our property. And it was just a, the perfect setting to, to do a little swimming pond. So we're in Amish country in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I got an, I have an Amish contractor who's helped us on a lot of projects around the property in the house here. And he, he built me this pond last summer, but I wasn't able to use it until this summer because he didn't finish it until the fall last year. So I, I've, I have been loving having a waterfall and a swimming hole in my backyard. It's been an absolute thrill. Oh, that's awesome. Summer is about being outside. I know for us in Michigan, we get to endure so much of the winter where it feels like the sun never comes, where we feel like you get about six hours of daylight (laughs) during, uh, during those months of January and February. So being outside and Actually, this week, I'm up north with a couple of priest friends. Uh, we rented a little cabin, actually, on the west side of the state. And we went to the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes yesterday and just enjoying the beauty of nature here. So, um, yeah, it's been a great summer. Teaching at the seminary, it also means it's the first summer I've had where it's pretty open, where I didn't have a whole mm. lot of kind of continuing work. So I had to figure out, like, how to use my time well 
uh, in addition to getting some recreation. So it's been a learning experience this summer for me. Um, but we are super excited to talk with Christopher West about a number of things. Um, and first and foremost, we want to talk about he has an event coming up in uh, the Archdiocese at St. Joseph in Lake Orion on Thursday, September 22nd at 7 p.m. It's a multimedia event with some storytelling and music, and um, that's kind of the catalyst for having him on today. Can you tell us, uh, Christopher, a little bit about what uh, what this event is and the things you do to kind of bring the gospel to life, especially the theology of the body to people here? Yeah, this the event is called Made for More, and the subtitle is Visions of the Promised Land. And we begin we begin the, the conversation. That's how it, it really unfolds. It is a multimedia event. We have live music. We have big screens. And we show sacred and secular art. Where it's a sensory experience. It's it's the smells and bells of Catholicism. We want we want people to wake up body and soul to what our faith really is. Mm-hmm. And we begin as Jesus began in the Gospel of John. The very first words out of Jesus's mouth are not follow all these rules or you're going to hell. You know, that's what a lot of people might expect when they have a very false understanding of Christianity. But the very first words on the mouth of Jesus in the Gospel of John set the stage for entering into what the Gospel is all about. What do you want, Jesus asks. Those are the very first words that John the Evangelist puts on the mouth of the greatest evangelist who ever walked this earth, Jesus himself, right? What do you want? The gospel is not a call to crush the desires of our hearts. The call of the gospel is to get in touch with the deepest longings, hungers, needs, thirsts, desires, longings of our very being, And then we are invited by Jesus on a path to the super abundant fulfillment of those desires. In fact, I'm reminded today, the the prayer at Mass, I think it was the collect at Mass. Let me pull this out. I hope I have it readily accessible. I can read it for you here. Yes, please read it. Read it. Oh, God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see. Fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises, which surpass every human desire. Which surpass every human desire. This Mm. is what the gospel holds out to us, a fulfillment that surpasses every human desire. Now, my desires go pretty deep. So I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of fulfillment is this, you know? I'm thinking of um, St. Faustina, who said she had a vision of the different degrees of ecstasy in heaven, the different degrees of glory. And she said, Lord, if you would grant me one more degree of this ecstasy for eternity, I would endure all of the suffering of all of the martyrs combined for one more degree of glory. What 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 kind of insanity is this? Right? This is what we're called to. And so the, the problem is so often not that our desires are too strong, but that our desires are too weak. 
It's our half-hearted desires that get us in trouble, right? When we have half-hearted desires, we begin to think that the pleasures of this world can fulfill them. And so we pursue all the pleasures of this world because we have half-hearted desires. But when we get in touch with our deepest, full-hearted desires, we come to realize what saint after saint after saint realized, nothing in this world can satisfy that yearning. And so we're made for more than what the world offers us. That's what this event is about. It's an invitation through art, through music, through storytelling, to, to get us in touch with our deepest longing, and then to point us to the Eucharist as the super abounding fulfillment of all the deepest desires of our hearts. That's what Made for More is all about. So if you've got a hungry heart, come out to this event. You're going to come away seeing the gospel probably in a way you've never seen it before. And you will also be given hope in these very troubling times. We are, we are walking into a very, very dark place in the modern world. And for such a time as this, have we been given St. John Paul II's theology of the body? It is the answer to the crisis of our times. Uh, we don't know what it means that we are male and female made in the image of God anymore. We've lost mm -hmm. sight of that almost entirely. For such a time as this, have we been given St. John Paul II's teaching. And our job at this event is to break it open in a way that resonates with human hearts. Mm. Where did the inspiration for this, for, for me, from where these events come from? Well, I've been doing this work in the church, uh, sharing John Paul II's theology of the body mm -hmm. for almost 30 years now. Mm -hmm. And and this is kind of this the latest incarnation of how to introduce introduce a parish community to this teaching. You know, we're at a stage now where many people have heard about theology of the body. They've heard about it, mm -hmm. but they don't really know what it is. And it's usually put in a box. Oh, that's for teenagers. Oh, that's let's put that in a chastity talk for teenagers. Oh, that's for married people. Well, <laughs> I'm just laughing because you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's what people do. They put it in a little box. Uh -huh. I like to say, if you have a body, the theology of the body is for you. Nice. Yeah, which means the theology of the body is for everybody. Right. right. Theology of the body is an invitation to get in touch with the body of Christ. Mm. Right. With the incarnation. If it seems strange to speak of our bodies as a theology, John Paul II says it shouldn't if we believe in the incarnation. Right. Mm. Our whole faith at the source and summit of everything we believe as Catholics is the body of Christ given up for us. And the Eucharist is a wedding feast. God wants to marry us. That's the mm -hmm. whole Bible in five words, right? And, that, and the wedding feast where this marriage is consummated is the mass. It's the mm -hmm. Eucharist. So theology of the body is not just a teaching on sex and marriage. It's the teaching on Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride, and how the two come together in a marriage that lasts forever. That's incredible. And how getting that wrong gets so many other things wrong in our yeah. society. Exactly, Father Stephen. Exactly. If, if what St. Paul says is true in Ephesians 5, 
that God made us male and female and called the two to become one flesh to reveal the love of Christ in the church, then when we get man and woman wrong, we get Christ in the church wrong. Which is why this attack against maleness and femaleness in the modern world, it is ultimately a diabolic attack against Christ and the church. That's what it is. And again, for such a time as this, this diabolical attack that's going on in the modern world against our creation as male and female, for such a time as this have we been given St. John Paul's theology of the body. The plane's going down. I don't know if people realize this, but the plane is going down. <laughs> we live in a culture of death, right? Mm -hmm. What is the end result of a culture of death? Death. <laughs> the plane is going down. And, and what do they say? You know, if the plane is going down, put your own oxygen mask on first, then help others, yeah. right? This is what the Made for More event is all about putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first as a church so that we can then help others. Because you can't give what you don't have. We have to be breathing in this pure oxygen to help everybody else who's passing out. Right? Yeah. You've been, you know, a prominent speaker, obviously on Theology of the Body, as you've said, for 30 years, you've written so many different books on it and other things. How, how do you sustain yourself in ministry drinking that clear, breathing in that clear oxygen, right? We, one of the things we love talking to people about is their prayer life. Um, what does your prayer life look like? We're probably, we have many of our listeners who are, have been serving faithfully in ministries, leading different initiatives in our parishes, um, incredible people who, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in the vineyard, yes, right? Yes. So we can become weary. What does, what does your prayer life look like? Beth, it's, it's a very important question. And the way you phrased it is very important we can become burned out as ministers in the church. And mm -hmm. I, I have a spiritual director I've been seeing for almost 20 years. And when I first started meeting with him uh, almost 20 years ago, he set me on a path that I think saved my marriage and saved my ministry. Because I was on a path at the time of activism Mm -hmm. where I was so eager to get this message out because the world was going to hell in a handbag. And I really believed, and I, I wasn't mistaken that I had found in John Paul's teaching the answer to the crisis, but I approached it more as an activist for many years rather mm -hmm. than as a contemplative. Mm -hmm. And I remember my spiritual director almost 20 years ago really calling me on the carpet for having my priorities backward. Mm -hmm. And he said to me this, and it changed my life. He said, Christopher, your first priority is not to evangelize and spread the gospel. Your first priority is to grow in ever deeper intimacy with Jesus in an in a ever deepening prayer life. Your second priority is not to evangelize the world. Your second priority is to love your wife and your kids. Your third priority is then to do the work that the Lord has called you to as an evangelist and a teacher. I had it backwards. Mm -hmm. I was putting my priority in evangelization and my, my relationship with the Lord was maybe second and my relationship with my wife and my kids was maybe third. And that I was, I was on a, if you are on that course, if you do not have those priorities straight, you are on a collision course for destruction. 
And my, my spiritual director 20 years ago started teaching me how to pray and not just say prayers, right? We learn how to say prayers when we grow up as Catholics, the Hail Mary, the Our Father, and, and that's fine and good, but saying prayers is meant to lead us to a, an ever-deepening life of prayer. And in the ever-deepening life of prayer, we are learning how to, I'm back to the theme of desire, right? Learning to pray is learning to answer that question that Jesus poses at the start of the Gospel of John. What do you want? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes from Pope Benedict XVI is this. Christian prayer, properly understood, is nothing other than becoming a longing for God. St. Augustine says, prayer is an exercise of desire. And the more we get in touch with our desires and learn how to open them to the Lord, we are learning to pray always, mm -hmm. right? He says the whole journey of, this is St. Augustine, the whole journey of the Christian life is a training in longing, a longing for union with the Lord. Learning this way of prayer is messy. And an authentic Christian life of prayer is, is a messy affair because our hearts are messy. And we have to wade through all kinds of pain and mess in our hearts to get down to those deepest longings and desires. So my prayer life, you asked the question, Beth, what's my prayer okay. life like? It's messy. Mm -hmm. It's painful. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. It's a battle. But in that place, there are also glimmers of, of glory. Like uh, the image that comes to my mind is like the sun breaking through on a cloudy day and you get those shafts of light. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of agony and ecstasy in an authentic life of prayer. And, and saint after saint speaks of this, that the, ag the prayer of agony is a training ground for the prayer of ecstasy. Well, what does that mean? If you want to get in touch with your desires, you will also discover that the pain in your life stems typically from unfulfilled desires. And we have, to, we have to pass through places in our hearts where that pain comes up and out and is offered to the Lord. And I was in a retreat many years ago where a lot of this pain was coming up and out. And I thought I had sinned because I was angry at God for a lot of stuff in my life, a lot of pain in my life. And I went to confession on this retreat and the, the priest told me, that I didn't need to confess that I got angry with the Lord. I needed to confess rather that I had been wearing a bunch of pious masks in my prayer life mm. and I wasn't being authentic. Mm. And he said, don't confess that you got real with God. You need to confess <laughs> that you haven't been real with God. Now you're learning to pray. And, and he said, you're learning the prayer of agony, which is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And then he told me something I'll never forget. He said, St. Teresa of Avila teaches us that God teaches us courage in the prayer of agony, where we get in touch with our sorrows, our sufferings, our, our pains, because we need even more courage 
to endure the prayer of ecstasy, which is where we enter the joyful and the glorious mysteries, right? We have the sorrowful mysteries that we have to pray through. But the purpose of, of praying through those sorrowful mysteries, which means looking at the sorrows in our own lives, is to get us to the joy and the glory, right? And the light, the, the mysteries of light, like that light breaking through the clouds, as I was saying. So that's really how I have to talk about my prayer life. I have to talk about it in images because it's so deep. It's not something you can just put normal words to. You have to talk about it in in a more poetic or symbolic way to yeah, try to and, and you talk about, you know, your own kind of getting in touch with your own desires, making sure your desires are being purified and like not just not just directed to the things of this world, but you're letting the Lord elevate them. Exactly. I think there's also the sense of, you know, to pray is to be in the presence of the awesome, fearful God, right? And so it's not something I'm always going to be in control of. There's a sense of, you know, Correct. you said authenticity, Correct. that's spot on. There's also the sense of humility that to go and pray is to not be on my terms all the time. Correct. To, to go with this humility before God, you know, your your event about being, you know, made for more, that, that God wants more for us, that only comes when I have the humility to stand before God as a creature, a wonderful, exactly. awesome creature, but to stand in the light of who he is, and to learn more and more who I am in his light and how he wants to mold me and shape me. And that's what the church offers us, right? Whether it's about the, the teaching on chastity and sexuality, whether it's the teaching about the, the spiritual life or any other part of our life. And, you know, I love how you, you talk about this kind of activism or busyness, which so many people, especially those who work for the church, can fall into. And I know Beth and I have talked about this so many yeah. times, like God wants us to be radically in love with him first mm -hmm. and foremost. And, um, you know, Beth has uh, shared with me, uh, what, what's the great book you were reading, Beth, about uh, the soul the of the soul apostle? of the apostle. It's I've been biting my tongue not to say it. So thank you for just letting me say it. So yeah. I don't know if you've read the book. It's just so profound. It's saying exactly what your spiritual director said that we can there. Are, and I after I read it, I became so convicted that we can't let ministry become activism. It, the soul of all the work that we do has to be our interior walk with yes, the Lord amen. and directed amen. by him. And we have to keep going to him. And I, after I read it, I was so, oh, just, it felt like all the lights were turned on. Um, right. We've been, so many people are working so hard in parish ministry, but if we work so hard in parish ministry and aren't walking with Jesus, aren't doing it for Jesus and in Jesus and through the Holy spirit, then, then we're not walking towards heaven. We're walking. Yes. And I see this with priesthood too, you know, with our need for more vocations to the priesthood. You know, if if young men just see priests who are busy, busy, busy all the time, always doing something, that's not going to be attractive. And not just on a superficial level, it's not attractive. It doesn't speak to the deep desires of my heart. But if they see priests who are radically in love with the Lord and out of that love are serving the people of God, that's going to be what's attractive about a young man saying, you know, maybe the Lord's calling me to do this, and maybe this is going to be a great life. But it's not just like I get on the hamster wheel and I run, run, run until I'm spent and then I'm gone. Like, no, Jesus wants me intimately united with him. And all the work I do comes out of the Lord being able to work through me. And that just takes, I mean, that's awesome. That's so, so much deeper than any life we could live on our own. 
but it also takes a humility to be in the second place that God is the one who's primarily moving. And my whole spiritual life and my apostolate is a response to what God has already done in me. Father Steve, you're, you're, you're putting this so well that it, it reminds me of uh, the psalm this morning, which I think summarizes so much of what we've been talking about here today. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. And it, it's a reflection on the yearning of the heart being fulfilled in the Lord. And I, I think so often people hear that line from the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. We hear it as like the annihilation of desire. I don't want anything. That's, that's more of a Buddhist uh, interpretation, right? The annihilation of, of the desires of the heart. The Christian interpretation of that is very different. And we have it, it comes up later in Psalm 23, my cup overflows, right? That's prayer. Prayer is, is bringing our empty cup with humility to the Lord who can fill it to overflowing. Mm -hmm. And ministry becomes the overflow, right? Mm -hmm. But if we are not in our prayer life coming with that empty cup and letting the Lord fill it, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want, not because he erases our desires, but because he gives us the living hope of their super abundant fulfillment. So now we're living in faith, hope, and love, right? So faith, you might say, is the openness of the cup, believing that God's going to fill it. Hope is the certainty of that cup being filled. And then love becomes the overflow of what I've received. And so we 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 love or we we live the moral life or a, a missionary life not to earn God's love but to show the love to others that we've already received because my cup overflows. That's the journey. That's that's ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what a difference that is, right? From all the hard drudgery. Complete <laughs> drudgery. If ends, you're right? not doing that, we're going to fish so, all night and catch I know, nothing. Catch nothing. Yeah, very true. Um, Christopher West, your new book, God is Beauty. What does it mean to say that God is beauty? And then, yes, well, let me just clarify. Wanna, it's not It's yeah. not my new book. It's uh, I do write the commentary in there, but it, this is a retreat that John Paul II delivered long before he became Pope in 1962 in Krakow. So this uh, is a collaboration between you and Carol Boitiwa, right? You... <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> not a direct collaboration. Um, I did get permission from the Vatican to publish this in English. Nice. This has never been published in English before now. And it's it's a retreat, a, a five-session retreat mm -hmm. given by Carol Wojtyla in 1962 to artists. Right. And it's a reflection on how... The physical world is meant to be a sign of the spiritual world mm -hmm. and how in a way, even though not all of us are called to be artists in the specific sense, like a sculptor or a poet or a dancer, mm -hmm. but all of us, John Paul II says, are called to make of our lives a work of art. I love that quote. I loved that one. Yeah. And that means we are to become a reflection of God's beauty in the world mm -hmm. because that's what authentic art is. Authentic art 
is making visible the invisible beauty of God, right? And our lives are meant to do that. That's what a saint is. A saint Mm -hmm. is someone whose life makes visible the invisible mystery of God, makes visible the beauty of, of the divine life. So this retreat reflects on art and the call to holiness. So whether you're called to be an artist or not, this retreat can be a tremendous aid to everything that we've been saying here about learning how to grow in prayer. The final lesson of the retreat is a deep reflection on what it means to pray always. Mm -hmm. And to pray always means we get in touch with the deepest desires of our heart and we live in a posture of that open cup to the Lord, letting him come into those places of our heart. That's what it means to pray always. It doesn't mean you're always saying an Our Father or a Hail Mary. It means your heart is always open to the grace and love of the Lord flowing in. So that's what the retreat is about. And I have a commentary in there that unpacks it. And we have reflections from other thinkers and artists to unpack the retreat. Uh, And if you want to learn more, you can go to our website, uh, theologythebody.com is our website. And look at our store and you'll, you'll find that that beautiful book by John Paul II. I was helping with Focus's summer projects up in Northern Michigan uh, in the beginning of July. And um, I was reading your book uh, when I was up there and one of the Focus missionaries saw it. He goes, oh, I love it. So I'm sorry, Carol Voiti was retreat with your commentary on it. He goes, oh, I love it. I bought a copy for everyone in my family. We're reading it as a book club this summer, everyone in my family. And it was just so cool to see how you know, you kind of helping to uncover this great gift that Carol Boitiwa had is now paying dividends with this focused missionary and now his family. And hopefully people who listen to this podcast will get a chance to kind of explore more deeply, you know, how these themes fit together, right? The, the beauty of art, how God uses each of us to create something unique that shows a, a facet of who God is, And that's all about our life too, right? A saint is someone in one way shows God's tremendous love. And that's why kind of the the, uh, communion of saints we have are all different walks of life. Some priests, some single, some married, Mm -hmm. some were really extroverted, some were introverted, all the different aspects of who we are, you know, that God uses all of that purified through him to make us kind of living incarnations of the gospel for people to Mm -hmm. see and follow. Father, something you say there, you've brought it up a couple of times, which is so important, I want to emphasize, and this little phrase is coming to me for the first time, that God does not want to nullify our desires, he wants to purify our desires, right? He doesn't want to erase them, he wants to redeem them, Mm -hmm. and this is something we often forget, Uh, and and one of the things I, I say very often to my students is so important. The devil does not have his own clay. All the devil can do is take God's clay. Behold, everything God made, behold, it's very good, right? The devil gets his hands on God's clay and he twists it up. Mm -hmm. That's what sin is. Sin is the twisting or distortion of something good. Redemption is not the throwing away of the things that are twisted up in our lives. It's the untwisting of the things that are twisted up in our lives. And yes, our desires, because we're fallen, our desires are twisted up. But God does not want to nullify those desires. He wants to purify those desires. He wants to Mm -hmm. untwist them 
so that we can he rediscover. wants to make us more and not yes. less. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He, what, what was yeah. the line from the colic today? He wants to be beyond, he wants to fulfill our yes. desires beyond what we can imagine. Surpass every human desire. Beyond every human desire. He wants to fulfill us beyond every human desire. More than we can dream or imagine. It's beautiful. It's profound. I um, There's one quote that I just wanted to read. And I know we're getting close to our kind of wrap up time, but uh, on page 14, um, there's Carol Waitila writing uh, that supreme calling, that ultimate destiny, destiny is for each person to be radiantly beautiful, to shine like the sun bodily. Uh, for Christ in an utterly gratuitous, gratuitous gift of grace pours out upon all who are willing to receive him, the glory, the love, the beauty that the father eternally pours out on him. This is how our very lives become a beautiful work of art by opening ourselves ever more fully, trustingly and nakedly to the God who is beauty and who wants to share his beauty with us. We become truly beautiful in as much as we let the God who is beauty penetrate and permeate the inmost depths of our humanity with his own divine presence. Such beauty is called holiness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. This is what he desires. He wants to share his beauty with us. And that's what we need. That's holiness. So Thursday, September 22nd at 7 p.m. at St. Joseph in Lake Orion. Uh, information is in Parish Mail for all of our AOD um, Mission Direct people. People can go to stjosephlakeorion.org and click on the Christopher West button. You have your own button on uh, this parish website. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know you've made it when you have your own button there. Uh, so we're just so grateful. And hopefully, you know, many people come out, families. Um, w- would you say there's an age range to this? Should it, is I, it? I would say maybe 15 and up, but I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't say to a, a parent who wanted to bring a 14-year-old that you shouldn't. So, you know, it's hard to say, here's the hard line, uh, but it's, it's, it's intended for mature teenagers and up. It's, it's really, yeah, that's what we're aimed at. And, and you said you've been doing theology of the body stuff for about 30 years. I, you know, remember listening to your CD when I was in college, just being hooked on it, hearing the cadence of your voice and like interpreting John Paul II's Theology of the Body through that. So I'm sure you have many generations of people who you've helped, the cassette generation, the CD yep. generation, mm-hmm. and now the, yep. the digital format. Yeah, when uh, I started, my first series was on cassette tape and VHS. How about that? So I, I'm the CD generation for uh, the work you've done. So just personally, I want to thank you, but also Beth and I you know, do this on behalf of all of the people who do ministry in the Archdiocese of Detroit, just to give you, a, you know, our gratitude for the way you've allowed the Lord to work through you and touched myself and many other people through your ministry. So a big thank you, Christopher. You're so welcome, Father. And, and just pray for me that I continue to give my yes to the Lord. That's, that's what I want. It's, it's uh, like everybody. There's so many struggles in life, so many opportunities to be distracted and, and fall. And I'm just a man looking for redemption like everybody. And I want to share with others what the Lord has shared with me. Just pray for me that I continue to give that yes. I'd be grateful. Amen. This has been another episode of the Encounter Grow Witness podcast uh, from within the Archdiocese of Detroit. Let's be better fishers of men together. Be sure to like and subscribe and share this with friends.